0: This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 204. This week, editor Laura Rowe has been speaking with BJ Malanga and Dominic koolz the founders of a new interactive food, well-being and music festival, taking place online next month. Stay tuned to discover the pair's fascinating journey into becoming entrepreneurs how they've been tackling food poverty during lockdown, and their tips for starting your own business.
2: So, um, hello and welcome to the podcast, BJ Malenga and Dominic Kools lartig Hi guys.
1: Hello, how are you doing? How are
3: you? Good,
2: thank you. How are you both?
1: Great, thank you. are well. Thank
3: you for having us. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm so pleased. We were just saying before the uh, the podcast went live that this is a first for Olive. We've not done a virtual podcast with, two, with three people in all separate homes and we're recording via Zoom so we can see our faces, but it's a bit of a weird one. Um, but we're here today because you guys are the genius founders of a new digital kind of virtual interactive festival called the Great Feast of London. Um, obviously, as we're recording this, as I mentioned, we're recording it on Zoom. In the UK, we're still very much on lockdown. Um, I think we can officially see it. Is it six people outside for picnics now or in our gardens if we're socially distancing, of course. But kind of festivals as we know them are like not happening. So d- dancing around, glittered up to our eyeballs in a field with sort of delicious street food in one hand and a warm tinny in the other is not going to happen anytime soon, sadly. Um, So I am super intrigued to find out how you guys have kind of reimagined the British Summer Festival for us. Um, I'd really like to start, like, right at the beginning and get to know you guys, because from what I've read about you, you are both super, super interesting. Like, how did you meet? How have you been on the kind of festival hospitality scene? Um, Where shall I start? Should we start with you, Dominic?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um So... In terms of hospitality, I kind of properly got into the food and drink scene in London about ten years ago. Um, I'd spent fifteen years before that working in the music industry. um but Again, still putting on events, putting on music, mainly kind of dance music, doing stuff all over the world, from here in London to Miami and Ibiza and. And all of that. Um and then it gets to a point I where bet you've you... got
2: some very interesting stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, certainly
1: not for a podcast like this. Um, but you know, there gets to a point where you kind of you either you either double down and you stay in an industry like that for the rest of your life or you say, Okay, cool, that's it, enough's enough. Um, and around that time i was I discovered what was going on with there was this whole street food revolution going on. This is around two thousand and ten perhaps um, and you know people were kind of enamored and excited by this this great new gourmet street food, which was which was popping up. but really, the only place you could get it were at lunch markets, places like White Cross street Market and so on um, and having kind of being an expert in nightlife. Um, I just thought it'd be great to bring to London and create in London, which we didn't have at that point, the night markets I'd seen on my travels in places like Zanzibar, where there's an amazing night market every night. And in Barbados was a place called Oystins, where there's a fish fry, pretty much most nights, nice, but on a Thursday, which takes mm. over the whole beach. And it's just really just so vibrant. And I just thought with London, with the multicultural nature of London, all the different cuisines and the way that we love our nightlife, creating a night market in London, I thought would be fantastic. So... Um, When I created Street Feast, which I did back in 2012, um, it was just one market on a, a little car park off Brick Lane. And by the time I sold Street Feast, kind of three years later... 20,000 people were attending our events every single week. We had four different sites across London. Um, and we kind of laid the foundations for night market culture in London and across the city, but across, across the country, but also what's now kind of grown into f- food halls, um, mm. which is kind of the latest you know craze over the last couple of years, which is basically what we were doing in car parks, just kind of grown up a little bit, you know? Um, so it did that, but it's, it's interesting kind of going back. And that was kind of my introduction to food and drink and it was an interesting kind of parallel with myself and BJ's it was 2015 when I kind of sold Street Feast and it's 2015 when BJ put on quite a, a remarkable you know food food market of his own which I'm sure he can tell you more about.
2: I think that's a really good segue if you want to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you do this professionally. <laughs>
3: If there was ever a better segue now, that's a free ball, you know. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, so, yeah, m- my background, um, I, sw- I was a teenage entrepreneur. I originally at school um, was quite frustrated with how business education was taught. So I decided to set up my own corner shop, stroke, tuck shop in a school playground, selling flapjacks, Kit Kats smoothies, ice cream, um, changing products depending on the seasonality of where we were at. I love this. Um, so
2: can can I, we stop and talk about how old you were? Because I was reading this and I was like, Jesus Christ, you were like not even <laughs> left school and you set up this
3: empire. Yeah. I was 14 when I started that. I had my first one and then the second year we trained two others and we opened 100 by the time I was 18. <laughs> um, and then I got called in by Downing Street to advise on how enterprise education could be improved. Yeah. Um, so it was quite interesting and weird to kind of just leave school and then be advising on what, you know, retail could look like as a way to kind of teach every young student the ways of, you know, what, business could be yeah. from a cash flow perspective. Um, and that was so called yeah, Super my, my ba- Tuck.
2: Can we just talk about the name Sup- as well? I really like the name. Yeah, Super
3: yeah. Tuck. Yeah, yeah. So all my businesses have kind of been based around this brand, Super. And I've, every, every couple of years, I've, I've left and done something different. Um, so yeah, Super Tuck was the first business. Uh, 100, 100 tuck shops and 100 schools, 5,000 students in four years. Um, from that, I decided I wanted to do some stuff with people who were more at university age. And um, I talked on a business partner who had built an entertainment platform and we decided to create the UK's first pop-up market run by teenagers. It took us nine months of planning and um, in 2015, as Don rightly said, I created what I called supermarket and um, it was quite big news for, for young teenagers at the time. Um, we taught 500 people over six months how to run their own shop. We had shops in Old Street, in uh, Box Park. Um, we did market stores across several locations in the UK, uh, not in London actually, um, primarily focused around how can people learn by doing. And then we did our big activation, which almost broke us, but it was uh, definitely something that put us on the map. Um, we managed to work with Barclays, Facebook, uh, River Island on those activations. Um, and by the end of 2015, I trained a thousand people that, that year. And how old
2: were you um, that year?
3: Can we just talk about <laughs> well, I was 19 at that time. <laughs> <That's
2: just laughs> crazy. Crazy. Um,
3: so yeah, so yeah, five so five five years on, um, what I've gone on and done, I set up an influence and marketing agency, and I sold that in 2018. I then um, over the last two years, I focused on training again, which you know, are close to my heart. So with super talent and super network, we've been very focused on how do you get big brands, really exciting creatives to work together in more dynamic ways. We've done everything from reciting poetry at a cabin office to making bespoke pieces of mental health films for sky news um and i've just got a network of people who come together and do interesting things um and that's been quite interesting to kind of create a business that acts as a platform for people who want to kind of improve themselves mm-hmm. myself and don met around that 2015 2016 time period um we both were kind of like in in between, kind of similar friends who were doing property work or hospitality work, um, and randomly with would meet at bars and stuff, and we share the same gym, <laughs> and, and I fire find with London and with any industry. You know, if you work hard, you will meet people um, regardless of age. There's um, 22 years between the two of us um I'm currently 24. Dom are you happy that he 20... just
2: outed you for your age? 100%, because <laughs> no it's
3: it's like a superpower for me it's like a superpower. Totally. In all businesses I've been in. <laughs> You've got to embody,
1: embrace exactly where you are.
0: Yeah and, totally. Yeah and,
1: and maybe 46 but I certainly don't feel it. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> and, and,
3: and for me like um I always try to make stuff and put stuff in the world that doesn't just make money but has impact and and Touches culture. Mm. So whether it was five years ago creating the UK's first pop-up market or right now trying to create the world's first virtual food festival that brings food to your door, not just on Instagram, mm. but to your door. Um, is those are the kind of innovations that, you know, mean something to me, mean something to Dom, mean something to the team. So um, they the start of the year, we're working on um a project that Dom had been building for a couple of years called the Civic. Um, as you know, hospitality, you know, we can't really meet in more than six. Um, and we've not been able to meet more than one mm-hmm. for a long time. So um, we've just been very focused on how do we provide really amazing food experiences to Londoners. We started an organisation together called A Plate for London, um, where we fed 13,500 people so far in the last six weeks. Amazing. Um, we're on a mission to feed 100,000 people. Um, in the next year or so um, it's going to be tough but it's so important because a lot of people are feeling it on the on the, on the bread line um, on the front line and then on the other side we're like you know what let's start making some more experiences that you know are commercial and do bring something interesting food vendors into more interesting marketplaces so um, we spent the last four to six weeks during lockdown really focused on building our own bespoke logistics platform with our own fleet, building our own marketplace, which goes live on Monday the 15th of June, and also sitting down and actually building a skeleton team of people that we've never met before, but who all embody the spirit, the spirit that we want to have with the Great Feast. Mm. So that's the story of who we are and also a bit about how, why we started what we started.
2: Yeah, let's talk about a bit about A Plate for London because I think that is quite important part of the festival. So when, when was that set up and, and what's the idea
1: you know how does that work for sure as BJ mentioned um we're working together on a project that I've been working on for a few years um so what selling street fees for me was was really about doing two things one it was about adding more culture and well-being and education to a more expansive food and drink offering than we had there. I, mean, I love what we do at Street Feasts. And again, still, if you want to go out and have great cocktails and street food, there's still no better place than any of our street food markets like Dynorama or Hawker House. But I was looking at creating something a little bit more permanent, um, not just street food, but also stuff during the day. So you could kind of have the perfect day so we could go and work and learn and have your mental health as well as your business plans kind of be considered. Um, mm. So that was what the Civic was. And I've been working on And that's
2: on that. in Brixton. Yeah, Sorry. I've been working
1: on the concept for a few years. And then finally we found this site in Brixton, the beginning of last year, beginning of 2019. And all of last year, whilst building out the site and getting our planning and our licensing applications. We were looking at what causes we could align ourselves with because the other big thing for me was when I left Street Feast, I'd said that no matter what I do next, the buildings where we are physically located will have a real defined relationship with our local community. Because there's no point building dynamic physical, you know, communities around food and drink if you're not actually having connection with where you actually are. Um, so we decided that food poverty would be something that we were focusing on and there were a number of charities down in Brixton that we, we looked and we realised that we could help with our network and with our resource um, and I said that when we opened the Civic in 2020 that we would start this thing called A Plate for London and the whole idea is that we would do four or five Civics across London and every time we open a new locale we would bring A Plate for London to that community and try and help food poverty in that particular area however when Covid obviously happened and the lockdown came in We just said, well, look, we realised we couldn't open the Civic. We finished for tripping out the place and we were about maybe about a quarter of the way through the build. Mm. Um, So we said, okay, well, if we can't do that now, let's just do a plate for London now because people are hungry. You know, there were over 2 million people living below the poverty line in London before Mm. the coronavirus. So this has made things even worse. You've got people who are finding themselves in financial trouble now and suffering from food poverty who probably never thought they ever would. You know, I've heard some absolute horror stories of people mm. and the situations that they found themselves in right now. So we said, okay, let's let's do a plate for London now. We've registered it. And we said, But let's not just focus on Brixton. Let's just look at the whole of London. And we just put the word out there. And BJ and I are kind of energetic, entrepreneurial folks. So we just literally put the word out and before you knew it we were talking to Tower Hamlets Council about helping them feed um, children who were eligible for free school meals over the Easter holidays. By the end of the 10 days of working with them there we'd set up five hubs in different different wards across Tower Hamlets and we fed 12,000 people in, in, in 10 days. I mean the most one of the most heartwarming things that we got was a message one Thursday from a nurse who had been working dealing with coronavirus in her job and had got home late and couldn't, because she'd been working all day and couldn't cook lunch for her children. And she'd found out about these, um, these hubs that we'd set up. And she was able to come down, pick up some lunch for free from her, from us, and then go back. And she sent us really lovely photo a message just saying thanks and how appreciative of she was, was of that. So mm. whilst building out, so that's how Plate Funding got started. And whilst building it out, BJ and I were just asking, looking to each other and just saying, how can we? build out what we're doing further. How can we amplify the message? Because, And also, how can we provide more meals? And that's when I remember back an idea I'd had a while ago about the, creating a new food festival for London. I felt for a while that the city could just do with a big food festival, which really represented it. You know, I mean, we, we have a few big food festivals in London, but I didn't think there was one that really, truly represented its diversity and it's energy and it's vibrancy and that champions some of the smaller independent restaurants mm. that that make the city. You know, the kind of places that, you know, the Levans of this world and, you know, those sorts of kind of cool independent local ones. So we've been looking at all the virtual festivals, food festivals that have been going on. And we realised actually, whilst it's nice to do a cook-along live at home, actually eating food from the best chefs and best restaurants in London having that brought to you would be great. So we spoke to a couple of big... Food delivery platforms, I won't say who. And um, we spoke to them. About, at the time, it seemed like a, a revolutionary idea to bring some chefs and some restaurants to them that wouldn't normally be on those platforms. And we explored that for a while, but the more and more we spoke to independent restaurants, the more we realised that they couldn't afford the commission structures that, the, the you know, some of these big some of the big players charge. So BJ and I, as we always do, we just said, let's just do this ourselves. <laughs> um, and we now know more about logistics and delivery in London, I thought we'd probably, beginning of this year, than we thought we'd probably ever do. Um, mm-hmm. But we've just got deep into it, built out a fleet. We've got an amazing head of logistics who's come on board, who's taught us both so much about how we should do this and how we'd approach this. And our whole approach has constantly been two two prongs. One, making sure that we can create a commission structure which is just fairer and more sustainable, long-term sustainable for independent restaurants in London. I think we've got that. And, you know, they've been really appreciative when we explain to them how much cheaper it's going to be working with us and then two also making sure that the delivery for cost for the consumer is as cheap as possible you know so that's our that's our um that's our goal and we initially just started looking at us doing this for the festival obviously and building out a marketplace on our website where you could come and choose from 50 or 60 of the best restaurants and chefs in london and then realising, OK, well, let's build some dynamic drinks packages to go along with that. And because it's a festival, we've got a head of experiences who's creating loads of wonderful experiences and kits that um, families and kids can do at home. So we'll sell those on there. And before you know it, we realise we've got a wonderful dynamic marketplace, which is focused on independent London-based brands, all mm. brands that have got some kind of purpose. And we realised, PJ, and I realised that that's actually something we should continue to do. Um, so the great, greatfeast.com as, as as a domain will continue way up, well long after the festival, um, and we'll c- continue to promote independent f- um, food and drink brands across London.
2: So exciting! So the premise is, um, let's talk about some of the experiences that you can do. I mean, you can so you can buy the ingredients, the food from a restaurant, and you can watch them um, have a cookery class at home and things like that. Or BJ, what, what kind of things? What kind Go of beach. things can you? Yeah,
3: so, so so that's like base one. Absolutely, you can order food and watch cook-along. But for us, you know, that's not, that's not new. That's something that we were seeing people kind of do cook-alongs. Maybe the new element is the food part being actually in your house. But I think for us, we've also added wellness and music because we understand entertainment is such a big part of people's homes. Mm. And as you mentioned, we're not all going to have any glitters or tinnies <laughs> or... Rainbow jackets this summer. So, um we thought, why don't we actually make really exciting other packs that people can also take on? So, we were working on a wellness level on sound baths, yoga sessions, energy healing classes that you can have in line with your brunch and kind of design your own kind of afternoon or morning for yourself. In the, e- in the evenings, we're doing um, little secret drops across London and we're probably going to be hosting most definitely on the minimum an online party but as the lockdown rules come down we're looking at what um, a physical party would look like even if it's a silent rave I, I have um, seen
2: some um like they call them legal raves don't they in the forest at the council's yeah. where i'm like well that's not a rave because <laughs> yeah. you can't ask the council yeah. for permission if it's going to be a rave exactly. but i'm really interested at the potential of those sorts of things
3: yeah um, and then, and then we've got like an online radio show. Um, we're partnering with Soho That's Radio, awesome. um, and we have programmed our own hosted talks um, for the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So. Yes, whilst you are eating food and you're able to pick different types of food for the whole three days, you are also able to listen to interviews from prime Londoners telling stories of what they're up to and also sharing skills that people can take on for themselves. So for us, there's like a, an intersection of people, yes, having fun, but also people learning and also people sharing. So... um yeah, music, wellness is really wo- woven into the whole weekend experience. So at any one point, once you receive your order, if you go back to greatfeast.com, you can then have another experience. But on a similar level, you can also order stuff from the greatfeast.com marketplace and get involved in other kind of what we call the fun experience category um, and go through a life art drawing or go for a cocktail making class. There's, there's so many things we're working on that will be announced this week, next week, and the week after. Awesome. There's people literally signing up every day at the moment.
0: Stick around for some more chat from BJ and Dominic, including great tips on starting your own business.
2: And so let's talk about the chefs, obviously, because we're a food magazine mm, podcast. Let, let's talk food. Um, <laughs> what, what chefs have you got on board already and, and what are you kind of excited to see?
1: Um, we're really lucky. People have really responded to this. So Nuno Mendes is, is on board. Um, and Nuno, you know, is well-loved here in London from... Mm. Um, lots of the restaurants from Chilton Firehouse, um, to Via Gente. And he's doing, a, he's obsessed by the food of Goa. Um, because the Portuguese have a huge influence down in Goa. Um, so yeah. he tells this wonderful story of the food travelling from Portugal all the way down through North Africa, down to Goa, and how all the different regions that, that it passed through, you can you can get the flavours and senses of those regions in the food of Goa. So he's going to be creating wonderful um, supper clubs, it's going to be a limited edition, just 100 seats, 100 tickets available, awesome. which we'll then um, send out hot to the people who buy it. Um, Oli Debo is on board as well, which is great. So he's been doing a lot of deliveries from Hyde. Um, so far from his restaurant but he's going to be doing this is his special menu so he's creating a menu especially for um, the Great Feast of London which is great in fact that's coming through today so I'm excited so to see so these are
2: kind of like once in a lifetime type experiences as well aren't they right like this yeah. is never going to happen again so this is I'm, I'm yeah,
1: excited it, it's really excited. so those are like there are so many different levels as we were talking about before so those are the supper clubs so we've got some of the best chefs in London like um, and there's oh god there's a couple I can't tell you about right now but, but you there, there you to. go <laughs> <laughs> but definitely Ollie and Nuno are kind of the caliber of the yeah. supper clubs that we've got going on, um, and then with as, you, as we talked about earlier on, the food kits have been a big thing. Patty and Bun obviously were kind of led the way with the with their burger kit early this summer, um, yep. and they're on board. But then we've got people like Cricket who are coming on board who've been do, who had been doing a curry kit, but they realised it's the summer curry's not the one, so they're going to be debuting their barbecue kit with us, which oh, I think is awesome. going to be really popular. Um, and then from you know from some from, from, from some of the bigger London brands like that, you've got people in the community like Taco Queen in Peckham. Now, if you're not in Peckham, you may not know who Taco Queen are, but if you are in Peckham, they're absolute cult heroes in the area. And again, they're going to be doing their taco kit and which also includes a margarita cocktail kit as well, which is like a double. My lockdown libation. Totally. (laughs) It's an absolute double double win there. So we've got a range of more and more people, Egg Slut, are doing a kit with us as well. Um, Loads of people. Snack Bar. Do you know Snack Bar? Yeah, we featured some recipes of theirs. We got some on our
2: website. They're absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so Snack Bar are doing... Doing there for they're doing a, a brunch only menu, um, which mm. is gonna be their snack muffin. They've even got Yum. little plastic toys in there <laughs> <laughs> to keep it proper authentic. Yeah. Um and who else is on board? Jeremy Chan from Ekoyi is going to be doing a special cook off from his house, which is oh, really amazing. nice. So yeah, so those you know couldn't quite get into the restaurant, but um but I think um, that's
2: really cool though, right? To yeah. be able to get to see chefs in their like in their home environment and see how they cook at home for their you know for themselves and their families. That's again a Really special thing that you would never get totally. privileged access to before. So it's really cool.
1: and that's ex- yeah, and that's exactly what we asked him. You know, I, I remember reading a while ago, and it was I learned that he had learned how to cook. He taught himself how to cook. So when he was in his teens, mm. so he could actually bring his family together. And I just thought because everybody's been cooking together at home right now with their families, that'd be a really nice focus for his meal. So he's going to be sharing not really his food from Ikoyi, but really just the food he cooks for his family at home, which I think nice. people are going to be really interested to see. So it ranges from like so from real cool um people uh, in the in their local neighborhoods like um like koi um salon are going to be doing a special salon nice. um dinner and wine evening because you know they've got their own wine shop down yeah. in brixton um they're going to be djing as well so that's a, again one of the limited edition little dinner so there'll be hot food deliveries there'll be food kits going out there'll be limited edition supper clubs as well so a right range
2: Really cool. And and drinks-wise, they're kind of cocktails and things like that as well because it is not – we could 100%. obviously put some warm cider on standby we in front of our screens, but – Is there anything else that we can get involved
1: with? Yeah, there's going to be loads of cocktails. We're talking to Patron about creating some interesting cocktail kits for us as well. Um, We're working with Salon on some wine packs for people. Um, But one of the big things is, there's a guy called Mark Dredge. Mark is, um, he worked at Camden Town Brewery when they were first starting. He's kind of a legendary beer enthusiast and author. He has written a book called The History of Lager. In fact, he he was on the Sunday brunch last Sunday talking about beer. So Mark is kind of curating our whole craft beer. We're going to have, Probably the widest selection of London um, craft beers on our marketplace. And next Monday, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but Monday the fifteenth of June is a uh, is national. We're coming Board. out on the
2: Friday after that. So okay, yeah. all right, yeah,
1: okay. So, but yeah, he's going to be creating something for National Beer Day, but also just creating a wonderful selection of craft beers, which he's then pairing up. So he's going through all of the food that's available on our menu and telling you which beers go with which particular cuisine.
2: Awesome. Very, very cool. Um, and BJ, do you think this is kind of like the future? I mean, obviously we do hope that we'll be able to go and party in fields again or car parks at some point, but do you think kind of this virtual festival is kind of gonna change the way that people do events going forward, even after I lockdown?
3: Hope, yeah, I most definitely hope so. There's been a few people who've tried to do a few virtual stuff mm. during lockdown. Um Gusto had something they launched a couple of weeks ago. Market Hall um, did something. And I think all people in hospitality are having to change because I'm sure we've all seen um, or heard by the by some you know, news of restaurant groups and um, hotels that are, are unfortunately not going to come out come back with us after lockdown mm. so I think um, the opportunity of these virtual festivals if it does work for us and for others who are doing stuff um, even on a micro level is it, it becomes a new stream of, of revenue and for us as innovators and people that want to put new stuff in the market um, any chance we get a chance to anytime we get a chance to make something that can add to the string to the bow kind of allow businesses to kind of have another way to stay alive I think can potentially become the new normal yeah we're probably going to need a few examples and maybe in different cities in the uk before i can really make a bold claim and say this is the new way mm. but i think it will become part of the kind of revenue projection or part of the marketing mix when you start thinking about how your business can stay afloat as we look towards the next two years of what is going to be the unravelling of what lockdown has meant for the, the wider economy
2: I guess it kind of democratizes this sort of event as well right is like you don't have to spend the kind of some festivals food festivals you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds they can add up so you don't have to spend that much and if you're not you're not able to physically make it you can go online and have a have a look as well is, is so this festival is just kind of aimed at Londoners Other, there if you're not in London can you still get involved as well
3: Totally. You can order on greatfeast.com. Um we're working currently to finalise what how far we can post, but there is there's nothing to say that there will there will definitely be some items on our marketplace that you can purchase that if you purchase far enough can be sent to you. Um our hot food element of the festival will strictly have to be in London because that's the, the scope of how big our fleet is at the mm-hmm. moment and it's quite it's quite mammoth task <laughs> just getting London lockdown. But um the hope is that with the wider stuff we're selling, especially on the wellness and fun level and also some of the kits that we're looking at, um, we are in conversations around how that could um, be definitely dropped for Greater London and then for the wider UK. Obviously, Dom, adding if you, if there's anything else to add there but um, yeah the stages of how we're doing it stage one is definitely London and Greater London um, with some elements of online being purchased across the UK um, and as we plan for future events which will be announced imminently we'll be looking at other cities in the UK Sighting. probably as well for
1: sure but also do you know what that's in terms of the f- delivery but virtually anyone around the world can, can, can take part you know you can take part in the cooking classes you can stretch to the yoga you can <laughs> dance to any of our headliners that are playing you know so that's the great thing about doing it virtually, so there are pros and cons to it, and I think that's one of the things that bJ and I have just looked up with this is trying to make it work. What are the strengths of doing this virtually, and what yeah. are the, the one of the negatives was people that couldn't actually taste the food from the so we thought okay well let's get it to them um and that will be the next challenge is kind of how can we get more food to people in different cities as we as we keep growing it but so there'll be a lot of lessons um in this time but it's been an interesting time for hospitality and i know that there is whilst it's been really hard for a lot of restaurants some have actually had their record days in this time there's been yeah i mean it's all been from delivery but it's interesting but that's the funny thing about it is ultimately there's nothing that replaces having customers inside your restaurant because that's what hospitality is all about isn't it looking in the eyes of your customers and, and interacting with them
2: But I mean, that's great to hear those good news stories that people are still having successes is just kind of pivoting and changing the way that they serve, you know, and and engage with people. So, I mean, this is why this is so amazing. And I think one of the things that I've been kind of most inspired by, and I am really interested, I I hope our listeners are too, but you're both such, such massive overachievers. And like you say, you keep changing your like doing different things each year and launching different things have you got any tips for any people who are getting that sort of entrepreneur entrepreneurial itch during lockdown and they're kind of thinking right I'm gonna for people that are furloughed and want to change their career or people that are kind of like thinking you know I need to change my lifestyle because I'm liking working from home or liking doing stuff for myself um what what are your top tips for working for yourself and doing it for yourself
3: yeah my top tips um as someone who spends lots of time with entrepreneurs and teachers, my big thing is um, you need to find a way to get revenue <laughs> as get
2: soon as money. possible. Get the money.
3: No, no, but it's not even large amount of money. It's just an indication that what your thesis is, is, is actually something that people want. Yeah. A lot of times when you've got an itch for something, you kind of want to get it perfect. Um, or on, on the other side, you kind of want to get all your ducks in a row before launching. Mm. Or you're waiting for someone to sign it off. And I think the one thing that lockdown is teaching everyone is... People don't need the perfect studio build. We're Zooming from here. Mm. You know, normally we would be playing Diary Wars to kind of get into the studios and record. So people are making new innovations every day and get in the field and put your mark out there and find your tribe. So sometimes people try to go and find, you know, a million customers. Let me find something. How do you find 100 people that love you? 100 people willing to put money for what you're trying to do. When you have that, you have the base of something that can be repeatable. Um, something that you know the founder of Airbnb said many many years ago, and I, I hold that true to my heart. And what we're trying to do with this. Like we, even before the festival launches, we will be testing and sending stuff out. People can sign up from now to kind of be in line of competition. So we have a culture in our own business and the way me and Dom work of testing as soon as possible uh, and then learning and improving yeah. and making that feedback loop go. And that's something I recommend to any entrepreneur, whether experienced or not experienced, trying to pivot in this
1: lockdown period. Amazing. Thank you. How about you, Dom? I think BJ summed it up nicely, but ultimately it's just, you've got an opportunity now just to follow your heart. You know, mm-hmm. people, have, people have got this time to stop and pause and it's valuable time. Um, and it's so rather well, than now just jumping straight back on the bandwagon, sometimes you might need to, you might need to go out and earn, but you've got an opportunity there and it doesn't have to be the big thing, as BJ said, you can just test and learn and start something, but make sure you're into it. Make sure yeah. that there's actually something you're into rather than something you think you're going to want to do because there's no point setting yourself on a path that's going to take you five years down the line and you haven't enjoyed it, you've been chasing it. This is your one chance now with time to think about what you really connect with and, find out what, and then follow that path. And there's so much great things. There's so much information out there. There's so mm-hmm. many little lessons that you can do. I would say right now is just study. Every single day, half an hour less on Instagram, half an hour learning something each day. By the end, of, so at the end of the month, you could be a little bit of a master on something. You know, It's just a little bit of discipline right now. We'll see you a long way.
2: Oh, I love this. I feel like I'm getting a little business coaching for free. So thank you very much. And do you think kind of like food, hospitality and events are still like good industries to get into? Because it is like a frightening time, right? Like the whole 100%. industry has been taken away from us, but you still think it's a positive place to be?
1: 100% people always want to have fun people always need to be fed it brings so much joy working in yeah. hospitality seeing people eat something seeing people learn a new, about a new dish you mm-hmm. know one of my favorite bits it was the literally third ever street feast we did and people were um, queuing up at this stall and it was a new stall, it was a family from the Seychelles and people were like where is that what's this food they had no idea they were the most popular trader that night and it just taught me that people are curious People are curious and they want to learn. So they they weren't all queuing up for the same old stuff. They wanted to see what this new thing was and they wanted to taste it and they wanted to talk about it and share about it. That will never die, you know? And then that just makes it such a lovely industry to be involved in.
2: Oh, that's great. Um, Okay, cool. Last question. How do you see the future of kind of food festivals, street food, hospitality? This is a big one playing out over the next sort of six to 12 months. And how can we as punters support these industries?
3: We, I, I personally see um, a lot more diligence around quality. Um, so there has been so many newcomers in the market who have managed to capitalise on the fact that street food vendors became a thing, uh, People have capitalized on the fact that you know you can get stuff delivered and quality hasn 't always been there yeah. um, from a consumer perspective right now, if you want to get repeat business when you go and you 're competing online and not just face to face your your product and what it stands for is very very important and I think number two, um, the future of festivals is going to be more brand and community so it 's not about being the biggest brand, but your brand standing for something mm-hmm. is so important because that 's how you build a tribe and when you have tribes that form. You then have not just repeat business, but you have a reason debt and that they will inform where you go next. Um, so you're you now seeing some wonderful chefs who've had really cult-based restaurants, like one of our... Um, restaurant owners who are working with us, James Cochran, who naturally already has a fan base who love what he does. Mm-hmm. But in the last two weeks, he's announced a really nice, fun, you know, snack that you can order. And it's that kind of like testing and learning together that you can do when you know you've got a brand of people who are very excited to try what the next thing that you can do. And it means if you fail or something doesn't work, they're, they're ready to forgive you because you've laid the foundation of the values. And I think we're going to start to see more of that come back into the forefront um, because... The internet is a very fast place where reviews happen more quicker than Mm. face-to-face and you can't stand off what you did two years ago. You're standing on what you did last night.
2: Yeah, so
1: true.
3: 100%.
2: Dominic, anything else to add?
1: Just picking up a little bit on that, it's just, I think it's going to be more community-based because if we're not travelling as much, it's around yeah. you. And if it's going to be more local, then two things, it's going to be personal and it's going to be purpose. You know, if yeah. you look at what, you know, um, somebody that BJ just highlighted, James Cochrane. you know, he's focusing locally. Him and his team are going out and doing deliveries. If you look at David from Smokestack, Smokestack, one of the most famed mm. barbecue restaurants and meat face focused restaurants in London, David's doing deliveries only once a week. And he's making his staff for the ones that are going out. So you're getting that personal touch from him to you. And the other thing is just having a purpose you know right now if you've got to stand for something we've got having such challenges in society right now that if you're in business and particularly in hospitality it's kind of who, who what are you adding to the conversation how are you standing for something and if you're just out there just from business yourself and you're not adding anything to the conversation of how we can move forward in society now then people are going to go elsewhere people are going to choose the people who are helping or pulling the communities closer together and if you can do that then you've got a fighting chance for sure
2: amazing thank you so much guys that was so interesting i'm so excited about the festival um so yeah thank you if you want to take part in the great feast of london it goes live on the 3rd to the 5th of july is that right Got absolutely the right? website Good. will be live
1: by the time this podcast is out Greatfeast.com.
2: Good. yeah you can find all about it at greatfeast.com Com and more about the charity partner a plate for london, uh, dot Org. The org. um great and if you want more ideas about getting your foodie festival fix across the summer throughout the uk you can head to olivemagazine.com and look out for a feature in our august issue for a roundup of our favorites thank you so much bj and Dominic. it was great to talk to you thank you Likewise,
1: thank you
0: Take care, all the best.
2: You. Thank you. So that was the Olive Magazine
0: podcast. If you want to explore more of our podcast back catalogue of over 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main podcast platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you also find tons of useful recipes and great cooking advice. And if you're finding it difficult to get your monthly mag, why not become a temporary subscriber? You'll get the next three copies of Olive Magazine delivered to your door for a single payment of £12.50, saving 15% off the usual shop price, with free delivery and no obligation to continue after the three months. To take advantage, go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash pod 3 That's O-L-P-O-D 3. Stay safe and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode to listen to.